beautiful words of the songs we sung today. They tell a story. As we continue on the story of God, we come to the period of time between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. It's known as the intertestamental time, or the 400 years of silence. See, we've seen how God revealed himself through the Old Testament, uh, appearing to people like Abraham and Moses, David and Solomon. He's appeared in a cloud of fire, and that cloud moved into the tabernacle and then to the temple. But now, during this time, it appears that God has gone silent. No more is he speaking through his prophets, no more appearing in a pillar of cloud. And it appears as though he's not getting too involved with the affairs of his chosen people, the Jewish nation. So for 400 years, God goes dark. Nothing. But things are about to change. Because the silence is soon going to end with a resounding shout. And today the story of God takes a a world-changing step and things would never be the same again because God's light was going to appear and His presence was going to be revealed in a brand new way. I'm not alone anymore. I wonder... Have you ever done something, insisted on doing something on your own that didn't work out quite so well? A few years ago, I stopped by the grocery store on my motorcycle to prepare in preparation for an early season hunting trip, and I was only going to go there to pick up a couple of items, but as I made through my way through the store, I noticed other things that I really needed. I picked up a bag of apples, a couple bags of chips, granola bars, boxes of granola bars, a Capri Sun. And I thought my mother-in-law would really use a good case of water at, a, at her house. And then uh, I got one of those shorty cases of pop, you know, the 20 cans instead of the 24 cans. So I took everything up to the front, unloaded on the car, under the uh, belt, and away it went. And I paid, uh, I paid my money, paid for all the groceries. And suddenly, I realized what I was driving. Yeah, yeah, my motorcycle. And this goes under the category of what were you thinking, right? Okay. Now, I'm a man. You know what that means? I figured I was going to take care of this on my own, right? I proceeded, I took everything out to my bike and I proceeded to get it all in. I got it on the, all of the stuff inside my saddlebags. I wrapped the bag of apples around my sissy bar in the back. I got it all on and all in except for the case of water and the shorty case of pop. I was loading it onto the back of my bike with my back seat and suddenly somebody drove by and he said, dude. You need a bungee cord? I'm a man. I said, no, I think I got it, bud. Thanks. Thanks. I don't have too far to go. See, what I was figuring is I, I stacked the water first, then put the case and pop on the back, and I figured I could lean back, and the pressure of my back would hold it in place, right? Okay, so I tried it out, and it worked out pretty good. So I, I fired up the bike. Only had a couple of miles to go to get home. Fired up the bike, turned out of the parking lot, and started to accelerate down the road. And that's when it happened. Remember, the case of pop was a shorty. And I could feel it starting to go. And I'd go, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. And away it went. And I heard it hit the ground behind me and explode. You know what I did? Man, I cracked that throttle and I got out of there as fast as I could. Okay. I thought I could do it on my own, but it didn't work out quite as what I thought it could, right? To this, to, to this point in time, the story of God, 
Mankind have been doing everything they could to get right with God. They've been making sacrifices and festivals were held at the temple regularly. These sacrifices rolled sins away for another year until the next sacrifice had to happen. Problem was the old way of doing things. Man trying to take care of it on their own just wasn't working. God had a plan. And God was about to reveal his plan for us. Listen to these words. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. These words kick off one of the most significant chapters in the Bible, John chapter 1. It takes us back to the Garden of Eden before man was created when God said, let us make man in our image. Darren talked about this in the very first message in this series. He was talking about Jesus, God's son, because of the plural there is used. Make God, let us make man in our image. Talking about God the son, God the father, God the son, and God the Holy Spirit. John continues that as he writes, and here's what he says in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth in an unprecedented move something that only god could devise and put into action jesus god in the flesh moved into the world and changed everything forever i brought a couple of pairs of well a couple of gloves with me today now we use gloves for a variety of reasons you know winter gloves we use to, to keep our hands warm in the cold i got i got work gloves you use gloves like this, and you can tell I've done a lot of work. They're brand new, okay? The uh, work gloves protect our hands from things getting, uh, getting onto them as we're working. And then I have, uh, I have these beautiful babies. These are my hunting gloves. I use these to keep my white hands from being seen by game that have a lot better eyesight than I do. Now, we're talking here about how God reveals himself during this series. And here's what I know about the greatest reveal of all times. Is that when Jesus came into the world. God took the gloves off. And God chose to get his hands dirty. By interacting with his greatest creation. Which is us. We talked a few weeks ago about how God uh, the Father is holy. And yet a holy God still wants a relationship with us. Mankind even though we sin. And get our lives dirty. Man couldn't do anything about, about it, but God could, and God did. God became flesh in the form of Jesus and moved into the neighborhood. Now, you want to know what God's like? All you have to do is look at his son, because the son is a perfect representation of the father. So what happens when Jesus moves into the neighborhood? A couple of years ago, I spent some time down in St. Louis learning about a house church network that was uh, there in the city. I met with the leader who's chosen to move his family, his wife and four little girls, into one of the poorest and most dangerous neighborhoods in the city of St. Louis. And I walked the streets of that neighborhood with him. And as I walked the streets, we came upon a tree that had a teddy bear and a bunch of other things tied around it. I said, Lucas, what's this all about? He said, well, this is a memorial. Uh, somebody was shot here about a year and a half ago. Um, during a drug deal. I said, okay, another few, few steps down, a few houses down. There's another one of these more. I said, well, what happened here? He said, well, <laughs> this one, a girlfriend of a cartel member was gunned down here. She died in my arms that night. And we, we just, he told me story after story as we walked along, but he also told me stories about how things were changing. 
He told me about the community garden that had been planted in, in a lot that used to be where people shot up heroin. He described the children they were feeding after they spent a day in school. Their parents were not involved in their lives. Uh, they fed kids and they come home on the bus. He told me about this house and this house and this house where people had come into relationship with Jesus and the light was beginning to shine in that neighborhood where it had been very dark before. Slowly but surely, change was coming. And I stood on the street corner and prayed with him and thanked God for what he was doing because he's moved in. And I also prayed for protection for he and his family. You see, God's presence changes everything. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to point out one more thread from where we've been to where we're going today. The Word is glory there. I remember when the cloud moved into the tabernacle. Greg talked about that two weeks ago. And then Darren talked about it last week with the, with the temple. The glory of God appeared in a cloud. It was called, it was Kabod, which means glory. It also was referred to as the Shekinah glory, which just showed that God was there. That glory let people know God's presence was happening. When Jesus was born... The shepherds in the field were startled when an angel appeared to them, and the Bible tells us, listen, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, why did God's glory show up when Jesus was born? Simply put, God was moving in. God was moving in, and the Father wanted people to know, I'm here. Now, I want to focus the rest of our time today on two key words that appear in this verse, in in verse 14. Jesus came to the Father full of grace and full of truth. Let's look at grace first of all. Now let, let's talk about three words to begin with. Okay, here's the words. Justice, mercy, and grace. Now I told you a few weeks ago, I, rode, I arrived back home from vacation in the middle of February to be greeted by a $429 toll bill for my iPass account from a, from a card that it expired and I didn't know it. Now, I couldn't just put my new card on an account. I tried to do it online because I did not want to interact with anybody at the toll authority, okay? But I realized there's only one way to do this. I was going to have to make a phone call. <laughs> I resisted, okay? But I finally did, okay? So I talked to this dude there at the toll authority. I explained what had happened. I apologized. And the man on the other end of the phone told me, I could take care of everything for you. I said, okay. Now, I fully expected to have justice done. That meant I would have to pay $20 extra for every toll plaza I had passed during that time. So that would have been $429. I fully expected justice. He said, Lance, you do have to pay the tolls you missed. I said, okay, yeah, I, I understand that. But he said this, because you're a good customer, and I also realized because I wasn't a jerk on the phone to him, okay, I will waive the penalties. Now that's mercy. He didn't have to do it. But I certainly appreciated it. Now, grace would have been if he would have paid the tolls and taken everything off my card, okay? okay? Right? Right? Now, our Father is the great grace giver, okay? And he did this when he sent Jesus, and Jesus showed this quality over and over again when he dealt with people, okay? You just read through the stories in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can see the grace of God displayed in Jesus. I mean, just over and over. I want to tell you, let's go with one story today. 
And this is Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well in Samaria. This is found in John chapter 4, if you want to look at it yourself later on. So Jesus is traveling from Judea. Okay, here's a map here. Okay, Judea's on the bottom, Galilee's on top. He's going back up to Galilee from Judea. Now notice Samaria is right between those two places. Most of the time, Jews, if they wanted to go from one place to another, Galilee to Judea or Judea to Galilee, did not go through Samaria. See, Samaritans, Jewish people thought Samaritans were half-breeds. Well, they were. They were part Jewish, but they, saw, they considered them half-breeds. Jews did not like Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like Jews because they thought they were arrogant jerks. Okay? So, I mean, the feeling went both ways. But most of the time, the Jews would go right north of the Dead Sea there, Jericho, would cross to the east of the, of the Jordan River, and would go up that side of the Jordan River and go into Galilee. They didn't even want to touch the soil of Samaria with their feet. Okay? So that's how the Jews felt about, about uh, Samaritans. Jesus loved people, though. Okay? And he was also very pragmatic. It was shorter to go through Samaria. So he just went through Samaria. Okay? He stopped at a town called Sychar. And he was tired. So while the disciples went into town to buy food, <laughs> he rested by the well that was outside the city. And, and this well was where everybody came to get their water from the town. And a lady came out about noontime to get water. Now, normally, this chore took place in the evening time. The ladies would gather at the well in the evening time. They'd draw water. They'd talk about the events of the day. And then they'd go back to their homes. Now, this lady came by herself. In the middle of the day, no one else was with her. She was an outcast, even from her own people. Probably the rest of the people in town knew her lifestyle and knew that it wasn't quite up to what their snuff was, right? But Jesus asked for a drink of water, and here's where we begin to see the grace of the master displayed. You see, she was surprised that Jesus would even speak to her. First of all, he was a man. Men didn't normally interact with women in a social setting. Uh, there's the fact that she was Jewish. And why would you, well, she was Samaritan. Why would you, as a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan woman? That doesn't make sense. So he piqued her curiosity by taking that first step and talking to her, asking a request. Jesus did not have to reach out to her. But he noticed something was missing in her life. She was lonely. She was looking for something to fill that spot she had. So he continued the conversation. He said, listen, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And her response was, what are you talking about? I come to this well to get water every day. It's a chore they did every day. And if you can give me the stuff that's living water, where can you get it? And Jesus just tell her, listen, it's not about regular water. Everyone who drinks this water is going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, you know what grace looks like? Grace looks like reaching out instead of standing back. Grace looks like sharing with those who are stuck in unwelcome circumstances. It looks like telling someone where they're valuable when they think they're worthless. You know what? Grace can even look like this. Yes, McDonald's. Let me tell you a story. One of our church plants located in Forest Park. Our church planter is an African-American guy. He's reaching out. One of the ways he's reached out is uh, mentoring young men up in Oak Park 
and in the, on the west side of the city in Austin, in the Austin neighborhood. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne cares about people. They, uh, they recently moved to Forest Park, moved there the middle of last year, and he was, uh, he was driving to the church where they're, where they're meeting, and he noticed a group of guys, young men, junior high age, 12, 14, playing basketball out in an alley about two blocks down from the church. And he said to himself, I want to introduce myself to these guys. So he went down, he bought 20 hamburgers at McDonald's, he came back, parked, walked down where the boys were at, and he said, hey guys, uh, you want some hamburgers? said, you look like you could be hungry. And they said, dude, what are you doing? Why would you do something like this? He said, listen, I'm the pastor of the church right down the street here. He said, uh, we want the church, we want the community to know that we care about people. And so you guys are hungry? They're junior high boys. They're hungry, right? Okay. He said, take a burger. And so they did. They said, man, we have never had anything happen like this to us like this before. Now, to this point in time, Dwayne had not been able to get into the Forest Park School District where the church is at. This is in September last year. January this year, he calls up the school again to see if maybe he could get into the school district to help people out. And the lady said, when can you start? He said, I start tomorrow if you want me to. She said, my only problem is I don't know that the boys will be open to something like this. She called back half an hour later and said, you will not believe this. Dwayne said, what? She said, I went into the classroom. I told them what we wanted to do just to get together with guys on a regular basis just to talk about life and so forth and you know, be a good role model. And one guy said, one junior higher said, hey, Dwayne, is he a kind of a stocky, shorter guy? Do you have glasses? I said, yeah. I said, oh, he cool. Dwayne bought us burgers. Yeah, we'll go hang out with him. Now, who would think extending 20 McDonald's hamburgers could show the grace of God? And today, Dwayne has seven mentoring groups going on in that school with young men. He's showing them what it means to follow Jesus because he's showing his life. And he's talking to them about life issues. And I'll tell you what, they are experiencing the grace of God through Dwayne. Grace can be extended in so many small ways. And people need to experience who God is because they need the light that God brings. Now, the second thing we see here, though, is that Jesus also is full of grace and he's full of truth. The lady's interest was high when Jesus told her about his living water. And she says this, sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said, go call your husband and come back. And her response, I have no husband. And that's when Jesus told the truth. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So what you've said is quite true. Now, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about what sin does to our relationship with the Father. Remember that? It fractures it. Jesus told the truth here, and the lady knew there were no secrets from God. Now, there are some practitioners of the faith who, when they get a person in this situation, want to bring the hammer down, right? Okay, here's what Jesus said. Go get her, Jesus. Get her, yeah. I want you to notice the grace of the master. Even when he told the truth, he did it gracefully, right? He simply let her reality sit there. 
She knew who she was. She knew what she had done. But Jesus knew who she needed. Now, she tried to deflect attention away from where he was. Jesus just masterfully turned, kept the conversation going until she finally said this, I know the Messiah. I know the one who's going to change everything. The Savior is coming. And Jesus did something unprecedented because he revealed to her who he was. And he didn't do this very often. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Dwight Moody as a young man found a, a cigar in an alley. He lit it up began to puff away as a young boy. That's when he noticed his father approaching. Isn't that the way it always works? So trying to distract his father from the cigar, he put it behind his back and he pointed to a poster advertising a circus that was coming to town. And he said, Dad, look, the circus is coming. Could we go to the circus together? And his dad looked at him and responded, Son, it's not wise to ask for something while holding a smoldering disobedience in your hand. God wants to extend grace to people. We will never receive it on our own terms. It's God's terms, period. If he left on our own trying to right the relationship with the Father using our own strength and ability, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because it doesn't happen. And that's why God, seeing where we were, responded by sending his one and only Son, full of grace and truth, Jesus did what only he could do, being born God in the flesh, living a sinless life, facing every temptation we will ever face, yet never chose to walk into sin. He could die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and we could be set free forever. And he rose victorious from the grave to defeat death and Satan forever. So what's our role in this whole thing? It's very simple. We choose whether we accept the gift of God or not. Just our choice to receive it. Because that's all we can do. Why would the Father devise a plan to write the relationship with us to cost us the life of His Son? Simply put, the Father loves us. God loves people. And He's willing to show it. God responds to us when we cry out to him. So here's the challenge I have for you today. First of all, we talked about accepting the gift. There are several here today taking a step into a relationship with Jesus by being baptized into the Son. If you have questions about that, we want to help you find the answer. So you can talk to me, you can talk to Greg, you can talk to Darren, you can talk to Wally. Anybody you like, anybody who knows a relationship with Jesus, knows Jesus, can point you to him. But if you have questions don't leave without getting some answered, please, today. First of all, then, I'd like to ask everyone else, spend time this week and got with God in the flesh. I'd like you to pick up your Bible and read. And I want you to read John 1 through 5, five chapters, beautiful passages in the Bible. Look how Jesus responds to people. And then talk to him about putting something into practice that you read. Secondly, are there people around you who need to be extended grace? Maybe a coworker, a family member, a neighbor. I don't know. I know my wife extends grace to me often because I am just not a very pretty all the time. Okay, honestly. But when something comes up this week where you could bring the hammer down on someone, maybe even if it was justifiable, 
Practice grace. Give grace instead. See what happens. And to yourself as you show this beautiful trait of Jesus. You know, one other thing I love from this story in John 4 is what happened as a result of Jesus' conversation with the woman. Because after the reveal, she left her water jug at the well and went back into town to tell the people about this man who told her everything she'd ever done in her life. Uh, The reason she left her, her jar there at the well, she was coming back. She was coming back. And when she came back, she brought the whole town with her. And because many of her words, many people believed in Jesus, their lives were changed forever. And we're coming up to the time of the year, friends, when, when people are open to trying this church thing. Curious. Westridge. It's such a special place. It truly is. And I know the neighborhoods and the towns around us are filled with people who are thirsty. And they don't even know it. Who do you know who needs to encounter the living water of Jesus? Uh, why don't you invite them to come with you during the next couple of weeks? Take that step. Tell your story and just see what God does with your invitation. You know, if we don't do it, who will? Who will? But you could help a life change forever. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I'm so glad God moved into the world because He's changed my life forever. He wants to do that for everyone. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for who you are, what you do. Thankful we are not alone. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for giving your life so we can have a relationship with the Father and have your spirit living inside of us. In your name we pray. Amen.